0: Hey everybody, JV here. Tonight's Beyond Reality Radio classic episode is a discussion with Todd Standing, a Bigfoot researcher and investigator. His work is a bit controversial. We like the discussion because it probes a lot of great ideas. We'll let you be the judge. I did want to mention also that I'll be back live tomorrow night right here on Beyond Reality. Thanks for being patient during my vacation. Look forward to seeing you all very, very soon. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. i want to start tonight's show out by uh, thanking Bruce the Shark Marcuson for coming in uh, last minute last night, actually, and doing the show for me. Uh, just, I was just a little bit under the weather, and um, I had done a, a broadcast earlier in the evening, And I just kind of ran out of energy. I'm sure you all know how that feels at one point. Um, So I got myself some rest. Bruce was able to come in and do the show, talked about the men in black last night. And if you haven't heard that discussion with Jason Brown, who claims to have been one of the men in black, uh, I recommend you uh, go to our podcast um, feed and subscribe to the podcast to begin with. But secondly, listen to that episode. And check it out. If you're if you're on the YouTube channel, um, you can see it or listen to it there. But it was a fascinating discussion, and Bruce did a great job. And I appreciate him coming in and uh, stepping in for me like that. It was a great help to me, and uh, I know that everybody uh, who was listening appreciated it as well. But tonight we have another very, very fascinating program. Tonight we're going to be talking about Bigfoot. Now, we don't talk about Bigfoot a lot. There are a lot of people that go out and look for Bigfoot. Some call that Bigfoot hunting. I don't. I'd rather say searching. And um, a lot of people report having experiences and having evidence of the existence of Bigfoot. But somebody stands kind of head and shoulders above the crowd when it comes to that evidence. And I'm talking about Todd Standing, who will be our guest tonight. He's a Sasquatch researcher. And we're going to be talking about his documentary called Discovering Bigfoot. But more specifically... All the um, things that he's done to collect the evidence that he has, things that he included in the documentary, including the footage that uh, is considered to be, uh, depending on which camp you're in, um, the best footage ever caught of a living or even for that matter, a a non-living Bigfoot creature. Um, And there's some controversy with it, too. Some other people say it can't be real. It's too good. But we'll get it right from the person who filmed it, and uh, we'll find out exactly how all that happened with Todd Standing, our guest tonight. We'll bring him in just a few minutes, and we'll also take your calls for Todd later in the program as well. You want to write down the phone number. It's 844-687-7669. Of course, every Friday night is a best-of program on Beyond Reality Radio, and then Monday we'll be back with Lee Austin. He is a writer. He's got a book out called Morning Star's Tale, and we're going to talk about how that book was written. But it's it's a book that looks at uh, Luciferian occultism and also flat Earth and how the two go together. So we're going to be talking about that with Lee Austin Monday night. Tuesday, it's Rob Shelsky. He's a ufologist, a paranormal expert. We'll be discussing his latest book called Shattered Reality, the Mandela Effect. We've talked about the Mandela Effect on the program um, a few times. It's a fascinating topic and one that still has me scratching my head. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, He's also working on a book that is uh, addressing the life after death um, question, consciousness, quantum immortality, and so much more. That is Tuesday night's program right here on Beyond Reality Radio. A lot of you are taking my advice and going to the Beyond Reality Radio website and um, ordering the Beyond Reality Radio coffee mug as a gift for your office coworkers, for your students or your teacher, depending on which side of the desk you're on, or for your family or anybody who just happens to like a good cup of coffee, tea, or hot chocolate, or just likes to have a great mug on their desk. The Beyond Reality Radio coffee mug is right on the website. Just go to beyondrealityradio.com. Click on the picture of the mug, and the ordering process is very, very simple. And the U.S. Postal Service will bring it right to your door. A government agent, an employee of the federal government, will deliver the mug right to your door. How's that for you? All right, so um, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, and uh, we're going to get right to it. We're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, we will start the conversation with Todd Standing. It's all about Bigfoot tonight on Beyond Reality Radio. Did you know that online retailers like Amazon have constant deals that can save you money on the things you buy every day? It's no joke. Save 40%, 50%, even 80% on great products, and all you have to do is know about them. Noodle Shark is the way to be alerted when something good is coming your way. Noodle Shark is the social media page that lists great deals that not only save you money, but give you the deals before anyone else has them. All you have to do is find Noodle Shark on Facebook. Search it as The Noodle Shark. That's The Noodle Shark, because you deserve to save too. Become a shark and save. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We're going to have a great conversation tonight. Our guest, Todd Standing, will be in and we'll be talking about his efforts to document, save, protect, and show evidence of something we've talked about on this program quite a bit. Bigfoot, Sasquatch. You're going to want to visit his website. It's Silvic S-Y-L-V-I-C dot com. You'll also want to check out his film. It's a documentary called Discovering Bigfoot. And let's welcome Todd to the program. Todd, it's great to have you on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So how long have you been interested in this topic? What got you started?
1: Uh, well, I was studying biology at the University of Alberta, and I wanted to prove that there was no space Ecological niche for a primate species to survive within North America. So, uh, by using science, proved that this couldn't exist and this this couldn't be happening. Plus, the fact that I had a significant amount of uh, backcountry wilderness experience, and I um, I considered myself extremely knowledgeable and well versed in the wilderness, and I, I I was certain the species couldn't exist. So, uh, yeah, I was I was going to disprove. I was going to prove they couldn't exist in the beginning.
0: So you started out in in an effort to prove that um, Bigfoot or any large primate uh, could not exist in the wilderness in North America.
1: Correct. That was my initial. That's what got me involved in this whole situation in the first place. Especially, I guess, the most perplexing thing to me was um, the natives were clearly by far the most uh, superior trackers. And when it comes to, like, boots on the ground, real wilderness knowledge... Uh, They're just infinitely superior to anything white people have ever done on this continent. I mean, no disrespect, but, uh, you know, they they couldn't, the best white trackers in North America couldn't find Geronimo. They sent a native to go find Geronimo, and one day later he came back and said, yeah, I know where Geronimo is. You've been looking for him for 12 years, and in one day I know where he is, and I just talked to him. You know, so it's, uh, and I've seen their abilities. It's very, very impressive, and they all knew the species existed, so, uh, you know that was again perplexing to me, but uh, obviously, in the end, um, they are completely right. The species does exist, and uh, and that's just so mind blowing to me i've I've unfortunately been extremely passionate about this discovery to the point where you know it's it's damaged my life and i've uh I've just put this ahead of everything in the past, and you just get so obsessed and from from my perspective, I always I always feel like it's, the discovery is here. It's right now, like we're on the cusp of just finishing it off, and I feel like it's so close, and it just blows my mind how society and science can continue to deny it in spite of just overwhelming evidence that's, you know, which brought me to my court case. You know, uh, DNA and PhDs and eyewitness accountings and the fact that I can take fish and wildlife out and show them a Sasquatch uh, and they refuse to. They refuse to do it. They want nothing to do with it. And uh, it, it, that really upsets me because that's their job. It's fish and wildlife. They're, they're stewards of wildlife in every province and every state in Canada and the United States where these, these, this species survives. And they won't do their bloody job. Uh, I could take them out and show them a Sasquatch, and they refuse to do that. And, uh, you know what? in my opinion, according to, to what their job is, they're derelict in their duty, and that's why I've, I'm suing them, and I will continue to do so, um, because they have to do their job. The species exists, and I can show them it's about bloody time that we got this discovery moving forward and, and brought it into the light, the truth, because they exist. There's there's absolutely no doubt about it.
0: I have... Uh, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, but I don't want to um, let this go yet, because I uh, I'm curious... Um, in your work, have you uh, studied and can you outline for me the way um, r- science would, under a normal due course, recognize and verify the existence of a new species of any kind, whether it's an insect, whether it's a fish, doesn't matter what it is. Sure. What is the process for that?
1: Sure. Well, historically, I mean, it, it started with uh, a body. But, you know, things, things are continuously evolving and changing, and science is moving along with that. Uh, three years ago, what really just blew my mind and what changed everything was there's a gibbon called the Skywalker gibbon that was discovered and identified as an indigenous separate species just based on its DNA. There is no gibbon Skywalker body anywhere in existence because there's too few of them. The the science team felt that it would be unethical to, to shoot one and bring a body in, when there's such a, a low number of them in the first place, there's we we're talking enormous precedence.
0: We're talking about a this is a form of a, of a monkey,
1: right? A gibbon specifically, right? Okay, and they are fully recognized and acknowledged as a species based on even their, their, the DNA they've gathered from their scat. We can do the same thing, no problem. You know, I just I, I need the the scientific community to take this seriously. Though that that exact same study can be done. In fact, I'm I'm privately paying for it, and my supporters are privately paying for it because the government won't do it, scientists won't do it, climatologists won't do it, and uh, so we're doing it, my, my people, and even not even just me, there's, you know, what, hundreds of other researchers out there that are doing it because, you know, science won't take it seriously, but the precedence, the bottom line is the precedent has been set. The DNA, even there are researchers that have had DNA recognized and put into Zoobank for God's sake, and you know Jeff Meldrum, my colleague and, and one of my heroes, I love the man to death. Had the the feet are accepted as as from a living indigenous North American primate species, the feet are accepted. Oh, so the, the feet are real, but just don't worry about the rest <laughs> of the body. Like that's that's the state that we're in right now of ignorance. Like this is apathy. Like I'm I'm disgusted <clears throat> that I'm sitting here even having this conversation. It, 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 it's a, it's a paranormal topic. When science and PhDs have accepted the feet, that's how far Jeff Meldrum has taken this. The feet are obviously from an alleged, a, rigid, an, a, a living indigenous species in North America. A bipedal primate exists because the feet are accepted and acknowledged by scientists. The paper was acknowledged and accepted. And, and you expect, okay, here we go, now it's here. No, the feet are accepted, but the rest of the body can't possibly exist. I'm blown away by that, yeah. blown away.
0: Yeah, so uh, again, I, we're kind of getting ahead of, ahead of ourselves, but I have to ask, um, what, why this species, it, why are they so reluctant to accept the evidence that has been presented for this particular species?
1: Yeah, well, that's, uh, <clears throat> the why isn't really my business, I mean, you get into conspiracies, uh, they must give you a reason.
0: They must give you a reason. I mean, there must be something when you present this, they must say, yeah, that's great, but... or not.
1: Oh, actually, you're going to love this. I learned this. In my, this is the one thing that really punched me in the face with the courts is when I go to Montana, Oregon, Alberta, British Columbia, these are those states and provinces where I know Sasquatch exists. I've seen them, and I can show fish and wildlife that the species exist there. When I walk into Fish and Wildlife and I say, hey, here's a video, here's a photograph of a Sasquatch in your jurisdiction, come with me and I'll show him, they say no comment. I've been wondering, what the hell? They all say no comment. The reason they say no comment is the day they even say Sasquatch doesn't exist, now I can sue them. Now they've officially taken a perspective. The moment anyone from Fish and Wildlife in North America says Sasquatch do not exist, or the moment they have an opinion on Sasquatch, now I can sue them. But since they're saying no comment, and, and you realize how deep this goes, these people are trained. They're taught. Fish and wildlife officers are taught to say no comment purposefully because now they can just wipe themselves clean of the subject. They have no responsibility because they've never commented on the subject. And I hope you understand how significant that is. I go see a wildlife officer in the middle of nowhere in Montana, I go, there's a Sasquatch over here, come with me, and he goes, no comment. No, 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 sir, come with me, there's a Sasquatch on that ridge right now, I will show it to you, right now, no comment, and he leaves, right? So how does he know, how does the guy up in northern Canada know the same thing that he knows? They've been trained how to deal with this situation, so, and that also... I know. I, I don't mean to say it. I hope I can say this on your radio show, but that pisses me off.
0: You, can, <laughs> there are some things you can't say, but that one you can get away with. Okay, um, um, we've got just a couple minutes here in this particular segment, and we're going to get into the details of the lawsuit and uh, all of the work that you've done. Um, but I want to go back to your story here. You started out to prove that this couldn't exist, that there couldn't hmm. be an undiscovered primate creature running around the wilderness of North America it was not possible. Right. What right. happened? And at what point during that exercise did you change your mind?
1: Um. Well, it was really. I, I it came to the point where it had to be Native Americans that were hoaxing, that were that were faking this, because on, only only Native Americans could fool Native Americans. <clears throat> and I was starting to see things that didn't make sense, and things—the tree breaks, the structures, some tracks that I'd seen—that really. Were very organic and very real. My paradigm started to shift, but what really took me over the edge was when uh, <clears throat> a second-generation Sasquatch researcher uh, took me out into, into Sasquatch habitat with uh, a couple of trackers and had me film one. And, and it's video two and video three that were in my original documentary in 2007. And, uh, you know, the, uh, a, a documentary I took around the country to or even North America to gather signatures for species protection but those two videos, video two and three, I filmed and I didn't believe Sasquatch are real. When you're there when you see it with your own eyes and then you go investigate the tracks, the speed, the movement, the cliffs they jumped, the mountain they climbed, when you see it all and you're there and that's what I do with people, that's what I did in my documentary that's what I did with Survivor Man. that's what I did all year this year, took people out when you're there, boots on the ground, and you see what these beings are capable of, and you see what they do, <clears throat> you better believe they're real. And you'll understand why the discovery has been so difficult, because <clears throat> they're incredible. They're powerful. They're fast. They're intelligent. Like, they're so exceptional. They're highly intelligent trackers. And uh, that's, why, that's why so many people have such trouble believing this, because <clears throat> for them to exist, they've got to be incredible and amazing, and they are, even beyond what you can imagine. And that's why it's so hard for normal people who live on cement and in cities to understand that, you know, how could this be? How could they be that amazing and how could they be that incredible? And the answer is, in my research, every year I discover new reasons how amazing and incredible and and brilliant they are and how easy it is for them to evade us and, and and to, to stay hidden.
0: All right, well, we're going to get into the details of some of that on the other side of the break. We're talking with Todd Standing tonight. He is a Sasquatch researcher. His website is sylvic, S-Y-L-V-I-C.com. Check it out. It's Beyond Reality Radio. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back to the show. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm J.V. Thanks for being along with me tonight. Don't forget the phone number, because we will take your calls later in the program, 844 687 seven six six nine uh we're talking with todd standing tonight todd is a sasquatch researcher researcher also a filmmaker todd um what point did you decide you were going to make a documentary about all this
1: um well i seemed video was such a great way to just uh capture everything quickly and efficiently especially i i like uh i like the emotion of an incident when it transpires something special happens when you can you can hear the crackle in somebody's voice, or or the panic, or the excitement, and you don't get that so much when you write it down. So just sort of really documenting that video wise, and uh, obviously the footage that I've been able to acquire of Sasquatch, I have eight videos now. Um, you know, they need to. It doesn't go in a book. You know, it's it's uh, it's footage. So, and the explanation behind each piece of footage is enormous. I, I could make a documentary about every single one of those videos I've filmed. Um, because so much work and time and effort, and so many things you have to fail at before you can have that one success. And even the irony, in most of the times I have success, it was not what I planned, anyways. You know, all hell breaks loose, and you, you just go with it. And you know, it's the innovation of living in the moment that uh, usually allows me to have any sort of success. So, <clears throat> yeah, it just it just seemed like a natural uh, way to move forward. And, uh, and and I do love film. I'm uh, documentary style filming. Reality TV has just destroyed things and made TV such garbage. But uh, I've been mentored a lot by Les Stroud, Survivor Man, who uh, all his shows are absolutely real and legit, and he's uh, he's a real good, honest man, and <clears throat> he's mentored me and, and taught me how I want to do things. And, and working with John Butternickel and Jeff Meldrum who are also very good, honest people. Uh, Bringing that reality back to real—I don't even, you can't, even you can't even use the word reality because reality TV is so fake. I think that's what they mean when they say reality TV. The actual term is it's, it's going to be fake. It's going to be uh, you know contrived and stuff. It's documentary style TV and a, a, a documentary film that I did because everything that happens in the Survivor Man's and in my documentary is absolutely real and legitimate, precisely as it happened. And uh, <clears throat> so, yeah,
0: that's what I do. Um, let's take this a couple steps backward. And I, I, you know, there are a lot of people who have presented alternative theories as to what Bigfoot is. Some have said Mm -hmm. an interdimensional creature. That's why we can't, you know, it's so elusive. Uh, Some have said there's an alien connection. I mean, there's been a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of things being thrown out, particularly recently. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty confident. I know where you stand on all this. Um, but you know, just for the sake of the academics of it, what do you think Bigfoot is?
1: Uh, they're just a, 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 they're a hominid, they're a bipedal giant hominid that's evolved in nature entirely, like they haven't touched technology. But we've become masters of technology, and the dominant primate on the planet, especially te- well, technologically based anyways, I would argue, uh, they've become the dominant apex primate in the wilderness. They contract, they live in perfect equilibrium, they can survive, they can hunt elk, they can fight off bears. I mean, they're literally the apex species in their environment. And, uh, yeah, very, very, very dominant, uh, high-level species That's uh, even, even they're evolving, even they are becoming more adept at surviving within the wilderness. But obviously the problem is that <clears throat> we're consuming all the wildernesses, and they live within those wildernesses, so, you know, eventually there has to come to a, Head. and the irony, most people say, "Well, obviously we're the dominant intelligent species." And I would argue, if you watch my documentary, they know about us. They're trying to communicate with us, and believe me, they are trying to communicate with us. And we, the intelligent ones, aren't getting it. You know. So who's the smart one in the end? Are who's they tr- really the intelligent ones? Are they
0: trying to communicate us when we encroach upon them, or are Absolutely. they? truly? I mean, well, I think that's probably taken for granted or given. Um, yeah. But are you saying that above and beyond that, they are trying to communicate with us, or is oh, it just? Absolutely,
1: they make tree breaks that I that I did in Survivor Man and in my documentary. They break trees to tell us, "Hey, you can go over there. Stop coming over here." They they take a log and jam it upside down in the ground, and people come along and go, "Gee, that's odd. <clears throat> odd. It's a tree jammed upside down five feet into the ground in the middle of nowhere. That can't happen naturally." And most most and wildlife officers they will go along, they'll go, oh, a construction company went and drove a, a, a bulldozer up there and jammed that in. I go, why the hell would they do that? And how? And where are the bulldozer tracks? Like a bulldozer doesn't drive up the hill and leave no tracks. You need a, like a bloody D9 to do that. And, well, the tracks just, give me a break. It's yeah. Something's happening up here. Something's going on. And I can't imagine the Sasquatch and the Wilderness going, they really think that a log jammed 10 feet into the ground, upside down in the middle, and no, they think this is natural. They, like, you know, I don't think the Sasquatch realize how dumb, or let's not use dumb, how <laughs> apathetic we actually are.
0: So so w- with things like a log jammed upside down in the ground, <clears throat> um, the message there, is that one of uh, territory? Is that one saying, uh, this is our area, stay away? Is that yeah, the message being absolutely. sent there?
1: <clears throat> They're saying, they, like, in one particular area... There's a herd of elk. They live off. They survive off this herd of elk, and they protect them. And we, when we go in there and rip all the ground apart and, you know, drive the elk away, they're trying to say, you know what, I have a family too. I live here. This is my home. And you're making a mess of it. You're ripping all the land apart. You're tearing all the logs out. You're building these bloody roads, and I just want this one little spot. Do you mind? So they make breaks. They make structures. They jam logs upside down. They... <clears throat> They'll, they'll flip over barrels and, and mess up construction sites saying, "Can you you know, can you not take this one spot? I have a family. I'd like to survive. And we don't get
0: it, you know? So <laughs> they're not looking to, in some way, develop a relationship with us. They're looking for us to stay in our area and leave, leave them to theirs.
1: For the, When you're talking about instances like I explained with construction and logging and that sort of thing, but for a relationship-wise... <clears throat> That's why I take people out and show them Sasquatch, because I'm building a relationship with a troop of Sasquatch. In fact, two troops specifically that I come around, and I... I mean, this might sound strange. I'm an expert elite-level tracker, and I have thousands of days of backcountry experience, and I am a student of theirs. I come around humbly and try to get them to teach me stuff. I try to get them to interact with me, and they do. I have really good success doing that. That's why Jeff Meldrum, PhD, saw a Sasquatch in three days being out with me. I'm like one of those gorilla trackers in Africa that can take you out and show you gorillas because he's been studying that troop and been around that troop for, you know, eight years, sometimes decades. And that's what I'm evolving is a relationship with groups of Sasquatch, again, two specifically, that have accepted me and allow me to be there. I went into California and filmed a Sasquatch in California this year, and I'll tell you, that group was not agreeable to me. They kicked my ass, and they were very violent, very hostile. So, uh, you know, and that, that happens most of the time. I don't get accepted. <clears throat> and I can go into a place and spend, like in Montana, I spent four years there. In the end, I had to just leave because they were not accepting my presence, and they did not want me there. So, you know, I had to accept their, their decision and, and leave because there was no success with the research there. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very difficult process.
0: This uh, I I always ask this question when we're talking about Bigfoot, um, Mm. and I get I tend to get the same answer. I want to see what yours is, but Mm. um, and you may have already addressed it a bit in what you've already said. But Mm. why and how is this creature so elusive? If it is so big, and it is, it's bigger than a man, Mm. um, and the and the uh, the forest is shrinking as we develop. um, Mm. How are they staying so hidden?
1: They don't have any trouble. First of all, they're rare, but primarily. They, I mean, to sneak up on a sasquatch. When you, when you live in the wilderness at your home, you're born and raised there. You live and die there. You know what every squirrel sound means. Every bird. You wake up in the morning. You look at the sun. You know which way the wind's going to move. You get the wind gauge. Like they live and die based on everything in nature. To sneak up on a sas, to sneak up on me, and I'm no, I'm no anywhere near the level of a sasquatch. You couldn't. You'd have to get past the squirrels and the birds. Squirrels chirp at every single person that comes up a mountain. I'll see your car driving up from miles away. You know, like people are people are loud and obvious. We think that we have this romance with all these amazing backcountry wilderness experts. It's I don't I don't see them. I don't know where they are, and and most of them, know Sasquatch is real. To really become a, an elite level backcountry expert, you have to be you have to enjoy living in solitude. And when you're that kind of person. You're kind of a xenomorph, and you don't care what society thinks, and you're not going to tell society Sasquatch is real. So, but again, the bottom line is they just have no trouble. You're dealing with the highest. They couldn't find Geronimo, Geronimo. You have to, like, Geronimo, the famous, the famous Geronimo of the United States. Mexican government wanted him dead. The American government wanted him dead. He was the top man. Get rid of this human being. He's been murdering Mexicans and Americans. They wanted him gone. They spent a decade. They couldn't find his tribe. This is a man who has a gun and rides horses and starts fires. He shoots his (laughs) animals with a gun, and they couldn't find his tribe. He's most wanted. Does that make sense. It does make sense, but I'll
0: throw this out uh, just to kind of muddy this discussion a little bit. Um, When they were looking for Geronimo, they didn't have drones or thermal imaging cameras or some of this other technology that might make that search a lot easier at this point.
1: Right. And, And that's why this discovery does have to come to an end very soon. Now... I would go do that. I'd put drones in the air, I'd follow them around. Now I just need money. How do I raise it? I don't know. The film didn't work, you know, like I'm it's <clears throat> right now the most frustrating thing is it is all about money. If somebody gave me a million dollars, discovery would be over tomorrow. I have I have conversations with like that with networks every week. And they and they you can really finish this. I go, Yeah, it just takes money. Like if I could, you know, put a put a thermal camera on a drone and I could follow a Sasquatch around for a year and I'd tell you everything about it. But where Where's the money to go do that? Where's the funding? You know how much it costs to go discover gorillas? You know how much Jane Goodall and Diane Fossey got? Those excellent, amazing heroes of mine were thoroughly funded or they wouldn't exist. The Leakey Foundation spent millions. Nobody is spending money to do Sasquatch research. So.
0: It makes a difference. I want to go back to what you said. Uh, you were you were tracking a troop of Sasquatch in California, and they were not mm-hmm. very welcoming. And if I remember your documentary right, and it was uh, uh, I remember I saw it maybe a year ago, maybe a little longer. Um, mm-hmm. You had some close calls in that as well. How often have you been threatened in your efforts as you've uh, you know been out looking for these creatures?
1: Um, more times than I could even think to count. I mean. They're, they're giant primates. I have, uh, I've been talking a lot with primatologists to study gorillas. I find a lot of similarities. And gorilla primatologists get beat up. They get bitten. They get thumped. They get thrown around. They get injured. You know, gorillas will bluff charge, and sometimes they'll get on top of you and hurt you. They're so powerful. <clears throat> and I'll, the, although the Sasquatch have put me in, you know, physically harmed me, I'll tell you, they were being extremely gentle. If a gorilla latched onto me and wanted to kill me, he'd rip me apart. They're immensely powerful. The Sasquatch are twice as strong as a gorilla, and I think are twice the size of a gorilla, and I think twice as strong. If the Sasquatch wanted me dead, no one would ever find my body again. I would disappear, and no one would ever hear or find a sign of me anywhere. So, I, I, first and foremost, I'd like to say they're very peaceful, and they've never harmed me. But uh, I do have altercations with them that. Are very hostile and uh, and I have been injured. So you know,
0: Todd, um, we've only got a couple minutes here in this particular segment. Um, But do the 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 Sasquatch have a language of its own? I know it makes noises. We've heard the noises, but is it a full language in which they communicate with each other?
1: I I have no knowledge of that. Uh, In in my studies, it seems that they are able to somehow communicate with each other over great distances instantaneously. They seem to, and when they move in and towards you and around you, they seem to be, they seem to have some sort of communication amongst themselves. It's very impressive. I I, I don't know how. Is it infrasonic, uh, infrasound? I I don't know. But uh, specifically their language and the the way they communicate with each other,
0: uh,
1: it's, it's, it's it's something impressive, but I I'm just uh, it's hard for me to
0: explain. but and so, uh, so I'm assuming by that that with the amount of time you've spent observing these creatures, you haven't noticed any pattern in their vocalizations that would give you an indication that there's words or some type of you know direct communication going on.
1: No, nothing like that at all. They uh,
0: even even when
1: they're trying to communicate things to me, um, I, they seem to have a great deal of difficulty trying to get things through to me which uh, which makes our interactions uh, frustrating because I want to learn, and uh, you know they won't talk to me, and it would be so nice if they could just tell me things, but that never seemed to transpire. I've heard rumors that they can understand uh, old Cree. I had a, a native who I really trusted and admired his perspectives and opinions tell me that one day he could translate for me. That never came to pass, but uh, that even hearing that threat that they could understand old Cree Uh, was very interesting to me, but it never precipitated.
0: Um, And, again, in your observations, I mean, you've seen and experienced the fact that when they get angry or they get territorial, they make a lot of noise, whether it's vocalizations or just with, you know, using sticks or banging uh, against tree trunks or whatever it happens to be. Um, Do you find that that occurs a lot? Is that the way they try to get their point across?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it must be frustrating because... uh, uh, I don't know how to say this, I it's, it's it's just, it's when you're not able to communicate like that, it's it's frustrating. They're making tree breaks, and I don't really know what they mean. And when I go beyond them, and perhaps that's, you know, the, the only way I can know what the tree breaks mean is by going past them and going, okay, now they're upset with me. <clears throat> you know, they didn't want me to go past that. Now they get, you know, uh, hostile. I wouldn't say violent, but they, they show hostilities. It, it, but what I ultimately have to say is very clear to me is, When they do make tree breaks, for example, and I believe I'm not supposed to go past them, and I do go past them, they don't attack me. They don't get violent. They show, you know, hostility by crashing around and making sounds and and sounding angry. But actual hands-on violence and or even having, you know, you go into somebody's property as a human being and it says, you know, no trespassing. So you could get shot at, especially some some states in the United States will kill you, (laughs) right? And obviously they're not. Uh, they're not doing anything like that to, to my knowledge anyway so
0: When we come back from uh, this top-of-the-hour break, we're going to open up our phone lines. We're also going to start talking about the lawsuit that Todd has uh, filed, I guess. I'm not sure what the proper uh, process is to get a uh, a government of a nation, in this case Canada, to recognize a species. But he'll walk us through that, tell us uh, what happened, where in progress that is, if there's any hope of that happening. Um, That's all coming up. But again, the phone number is 844 687 7669. Don't forget to stop by Facebook, say hello to me, and give uh, my Facebook page a like. It's JV Johnson, or you can find it at JVJ Paranormal. Thanks for joining me. We've got a great uh, conversation coming up with Todd Standing. We're going to be talking about his work uh, searching for Sasquatch. He's a Sasquatch researcher, he's got a documentary called Discovering Bigfoot. Uh, his website is sylvic, com, and there's a lot of uh, pretty interesting footage on there. You're going to want to check that out. Um, I'll remind you that tomorrow night is a best-of program, as it is every Friday night. And then Monday, Lee Austin will join us. He's a writer, and he has a book out called Morningstar's Tale. And this book is about um, flat earth and how it relates to Luciferian occultism. A lot more, too, uh, will be discussed with Lee Austin Monday night. Tuesday, Robin or Rob Shelsky will be with us. He's a ufologist, and uh, he's also a paranormal expert. We'll be talking about his latest book called Shattered Reality, The Mandela Effect, and also what he's currently working on, which is a book concerning life after death, consciousness, quantum immortality, and so much more. That is Tuesday night's program of next week. Don't forget that as we peak later in the week, Thursday night of next week, is our first Thursday of the month, and you know what that means. Rebecca Foster will be on the program, and we will have readings with Rebecca. It'll be two hours of psychic readings for you, listeners. All you have to do is call into the program, and uh, you can get a psychic reading from Rebecca. And Bruce the Shark Markison will be here to uh, man the show on Thursday night, since I will be um, headed to uh, vacation for about a week, so... It'll be a great show with Rebecca and the shark, Bruce Markison, on Thursday night. Um, but as I said, tonight we're talking about Bigfoot with someone who has um, a tremendous amount of experience, information, and exposure with this elusive creature. Todd Standing as our guest. And Todd, um, let's talk a little bit about the lawsuit. You um, brought an action against the Canadian government to do what exactly?
1: Um, well, I, I, I accuse Fish and Wildlife of being derelict in their duty. For not recognizing the species, because <clears throat> it's their job—they're fish and wildlife. This is a wildlife species, and uh, people see it, they report it, uh, and they do nothing. They don't investigate. They're not looking at the evidence, and I can take them out and show them a Sasquatch. And this is not just in Canada; this is all through the United States. I—I'm part of the lawsuit in California with Claudia Ackley, my colleague, and I are—we're pursuing that in California as well. So. <clears throat> yeah it's these are and this is just the beginning like i you know there's many pe- people in washington that want to start it and i have somebody in maryland wants to do it and I'll, I'll i'll give all my evidence and i'll i'll support them 100% if they want to push through with it as long as there is saswatch within that state and they can take fish and wildlife out and show them where they are um, you know, I'll support their lawsuit. So it,
0: it, is, the, is the lawsuit an effort to get them to recognize, or are you saying that because the species exists and you have proof that it exists, they need to protect it?
1: Uh, both. You know, once once you recognize it, you have to uh, acknowledge it and, and make a decision what to do thereafter, right? Whether, obviously, every species has a certain level of, of protection. There's you know, uh, even deer. You can only hunt them a certain time of year, and you know they're very specific about what you can hunt and what you can't. So uh, you know, not to say that this will be ever a hunted species, not by uh, any stretch of the imagination. But uh, you know, we have to start somewhere. I just wanna, I want a starting point. Like we haven't even. This should not be on uh, any paranormal show. These, this, this species exists. It's a fact.
0: It should be on I National Geographic it. with with the lions right. and the elephants and their yes. yeah.
1: That's where I want to. I want to read the book that primatologists, you know, precipitate based on their new studies and all the incredible things that are going to be learned. That's what I want to be a fan of. You know, why are primatologists going all the way to bloody Africa? They don't need to. They study primatology here in North America, and they can study these primates. That's the problem with fish and wildlife. You know, how many primatologists work for fish and wildlife. None. There are allegedly no primates, and there are, and and tens of thousands of people have seen these these giant primates, and nobody's listening to them, and and hundreds of thousands more are convinced they exist at least, if not millions, and yet Fish and Wildlife can sit there and do nothing. People, police officers have seen Sasquatch and Fish and Wildlife aren't showing up, you know? there's DNA I've I've accumulated, why? Nobody cares? It's just DNA, you can't be faking that stuff, you know, when you look at my footage, this is what I say. Listen to me very clearly. Don't take my word for it. Come out with me, and I will show you a Sasquatch. That's what I've been doing with the best in the world. I took out Survivor Man because he's the best. He's the best filmmaker and wilderness expert I could find. Took the man out in four episodes. Four episodes. He live interacted with a Sasquatch, and the last one he filmed at the top of the head of a Sasquatch. No big deal. And this is just on three day expeditions, for God's sake. <coughs> most, <coughs> most. Deer hunters or, or elk experts can't get you a, a deer or an elk in that short a time. And, you know, this is the most elusive primate on the planet, and I'm having this kind of immense success, and I'm not being taken seriously. So, or at least, it's, it's, I just wanted to accept it. many people are taking me seriously. I'm, 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 I'm cooperating with the biggest top names in the world. Anybody will contact me and wants to do something with this, like I have a list of PhDs that will blow your mind. They were all going to testify in my court case and that's what happened with it. Is in British Columbia where I'm a citizen of in Canada I'm very ashamed to say they wouldn't even listen to my evidence they wanted some kind of bogus precedent that had to prove somehow that this was the precedent that was set before to show that this should be in court they didn't listen to my evidence they didn't care I had DNA they didn't care that the PhDs were going to come testify that this species is real doctors you know Working wildlife officers are going to come and testify that this species exists and they've seen it, and fish and wildlife are not doing their job. I mean, there's so many levels to how inappropriate. Every species has to be studied in the biology. What if mountain lions are creating some sort of scat that's damaging water supplies? I mean, we really need to understand a species top to bottom and how it exists in our ecology. When you go in the wilderness, they teach you exactly what to do and how to avoid bears. You don't leave your food out. There are rules you have to. You're supposed to watch for bear sign. It's Fish and Wildlife's job to educate the public about every wildlife species that exists. And are sasquatch dangerous? Of course they can be. Are are they damaging the ecosystem? Are we damaging theirs? There's so many things that are going on, and it's so apathetic that we don't do anything. It's very upsetting to me, and uh, and many people that know this species exists. it's, it's tremendously irresponsible. I'm not saying take my word for it, I'm saying I'll take Fish and Wildlife out and show them a Sasquatch. I can do it. I've been doing it. I did it in my documentary. That's why that documentary exists. I put that documentary as evidence. I swore in a court of law that everything in that documentary is real, and there are PhDs involved in that. And all those PhDs will swear everything they took part in that documentary is real. Real Sasquatch footage. I have multiple videos in there. And and I don't know what else. uh, Crystal clear footage. Yeah. You know, I, and I'm just—I'm just a guy. I, I work. I have a job. This is not my responsibility. You know, I'm not a wildlife officer. I'm not funded by anybody. Why do I have to do this? I risk my life for this discovery. I've nearly died multiple times. This is very dangerous stuff that I do. Why do I have to do it? It's not my job. You know, so it's theirs. And and in all the states that Sasquatch exists in the United States, and all the provinces in Canada, Fish and Wildlife is derelict in their duty. It's their bloody job. They should be doing it, not me. Even even all the private researchers of it out there. <clears throat> it's not their job. <clears throat> they're 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 going out on a limb. They're pushing limits and I admire and respect all of them for what they do. And we shouldn't be doing this. And and you know, so and
0: I'm I'm very passionate. As yes, you, can you probably are. Hear. Yeah, and that's great. I mean, we so, need people with passion to pursue these things; otherwise, they wouldn't make. There would be no progress. But I want to ask you: There's so many things that you said here that we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about your footage for a second, because as I said, I've seen the documentary. I've seen the footage. It is crystal mm-hmm. clear. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we've been waiting for a very, very long time for someone to show some footage that wasn't blurry, that wasn't on an eight super eight camera like the uh, Patterson right. film. You know. Um, and it just hasn't come along. And you think, with it in a, in a day and age when everybody's walking around with a very high quality camera on their cell phone, that we would start seeing some of this footage pop up, and it mm-hmm. doesn't. But yet, you were able to secure some very, very high quality footage. Tell us how you mm-hmm. got that footage.
1: Oh my God! Years of blood, sweat, going through hell and back, risking my life. My, you know, it's spending every nickel I ever earned fighting for this discovery, and it was so. Every video that I filmed, I failed 20 times, you know. (coughs) And half the time, the plan that I had went wrong when I got the footage. I come back and I go, I I got caught in a snowstorm and was nearly killed. What happened? I got the best Sasquatch footage I ever got. How come? Because of the snowstorm. Because they couldn't hear me coming. They couldn't smell me coming. They couldn't see me coming. I was walking through a bloody snowstorm. And then, you know, my my wife and my family are like, (coughs) Dumbass, you went into the snowstorm? (coughs) away from civilization, temperatures dropping. I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I spent a month planning for this, paid a fortune to do this, took time off of work. I'm moving forward. You could have been killed though. What about the avalanches? What about all the crap that you could have gone, you know, you fall, you're disappeared, you What are you thinking? I'm thinking I need to get this done. I'm hella passionate about it. And uh, you know, and uh, even now at uh, this last year and a half, I haven't gotten any new footage. Uh, well, I did in California, but in my research sites, I haven't been able to get in new stuff and I look back at my old stuff and go, "Damn, I was lucky, fortunate, worked hard, right place, right time you know it's it's hard i mean i'm I'm super immensely proud of that footage, and uh yeah, it's
0: well, it, it is. It hasn't even,
1: you know, it hasn't it hasn't bumped society enough. I don't. People are thinking now it's too clear. Well, that's that, a complaint
0: that, now. That was good. too clear. That was going to be my next point. So there you are know? some that say this is just too good. It can't be real. What do you say right? to the people that say that? Well,
1: what the hell do you want? You know, the truth <laughs> is, I have lots of blurry videos. I would never insult people's intelligence by putting those blurry videos out. For every clear video I have, I have five crappy ones. I'm not putting that out there. The crappy ones—they call it blob squatch—is such a cliche. I'm not putting that out there. Yeah. I have crystal clear stuff that I—I I risk my life to go get that stuff. I put everything on the line for that stuff, and uh, that's what I put out there. Nothing but—I won't waste people's time. You know, it's—it's—it's it's it's impressive stuff, and there's so much to be learned by what happened. That's even what I can teach fish and wildlife. What I teach people about Sasquatch, the. Thousands of days in the backcountry I've spent doing this now, and I have so much knowledge I can really—I don't know—I could. I, I, Fish and wildlife could get this done so fast in a three-month ecological survey. I could have them, you know, so far advanced they'd understand the species so well, and the, the discovery process would move forward so quickly.
0: Todd, we got to—we have to go to break here. But before we do, is the documentary still on Netflix? Because I think that's where I saw it.
1: Yeah, it is. It I is. Th- it's all over the place. Uh, YouTube, uh, iTunes. Amazon, yeah, but Netflix is, most people have Netflix now. It's it's discovering Bigfoot, is what it's called. And my website is sylvanic.com. Oh, I left out an N there. Yeah, it's a funny word. Sorry about that. It's it's a native term. It means shadow guardian of
0: the mountain. Our guest is Todd Standing. Um, Todd, we were talking about um, a a bunch of the evidence that you have and you've used in your court case, or at least tried to, haven't really been allowed to. One of the things you keep talking about is DNA. What kind of DNA evidence do you have, and how um, closely has it been analyzed by uh, someone who would be qualified to talk about um, exactly what it is and where it's come from?
1: Well, the the irony is, I mean, I've been trying to get, even I have PhD colleagues that have been trying for, you know, almost five, six years to get my, a full genome done, which uh, no university has done and gone public with. I've given my DNA to universities, and then they just uh, ignore and pretend like I was never there. And uh, Todd Diffitel, who's uh, a geneticist out of New York City, if I'm not mistaken, he was dancing around with me for a little while, and then he chickened out wouldn't test my DNA. So I had a, a technologist from PaleoDNA, a highly recognized laboratory, test my DNA and came back with just some impossible results because it wasn't a full genome. Even the cost of the full genome, I spent $1,000 on on those tests that I did. And they all come back as hominid, which is could be human, but when they test to African chim- the chimpanzees, it's off the scale. And what that says is, the Sasquatch are testing as you know, hominid like 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 Homo florensiensis, the Hobbit human would test as hominid, even though he's clearly like a Hobbit size and he's clearly not a human. But they're testing like right off the scale, where <clears throat> three four percent away from chimpanzees, off a DNA strand that should be no more than one percent off. So, uh, and what's exciting to me about that is uh, what we're looking at is is not like people would say, well. could allege, again, that I'm hoaxing and mixing chimpanzee and human DNA, but on the scale, it goes gorilla, chimpanzee, human, and one further over to the right is where Sasquatch are. They're more advanced hominid, I guess you could call them, and even that would make sense too, looking at their phenotypes, they're bigger, stronger, they have the ability to survive in the cold, that we don't, so they're just a bigger, hardier, uh, more adapted to survive in the wilderness hominid. (coughs) Excuse me.
0: It sounds like you may have been out in the weather or something. Too much. Don, yes, yeah. That's
1: exactly true. That so, cold gets to me too.
0: So. What form is, is the DNA in? I mean is, is it scat? Is it hair? Is hair. it it's hair.
1: Yeah, I've been gathering hair. I had a I had a piece of uh skin, blood, a little chunk of flesh with hair on it. I had that for years uh that Meldrum uh Jeff Meldrum got to examine and stuff. Um and I've had scat and all that kind of stuff I'll, I'll give labs whatever they want like you know just <clears throat> just the, the geneticists. like even after I had that it, it was in the news my, when my DNA came out mm. so I was trying to talk to geneticists and they just basically hang up on me
0: can you just you know? send, can you send it to 23 and Me or one of those services that's probably not the same thing is it
1: no no I want a full genome like yeah. the 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 one that I had tested it was uh, six genomes, and the full genome was like i don't know I'm, I'm not a geneticist, but thousands of strands or all millions are tested, and uh, that's a full genome, and that'll <clears throat> what would be incredible is if one of these geneticists would have the balls enough to take my DNA, no matter what it says, talk about the results because if it comes back as a as an unknown primate species they just don't say anything. I've had many universities. I un, the university I went to.
0: And Todd, what's next in the process here? I mean, you've got the evidence, you've got spectacular footage. Um and you just keep, you know, banging your head against the wall with uh, any kind of official recognition as to what you're doing. Is there another avenue for you to pursue this?
1: Uh, well, I, there's I, lots of lots of people that, like my cooperation is growing. Um, I have lots of people, you know, supporting me with monthly donations and and I have lots of T V shows and networks that are chasing me. The problem with the big deals, with the big networks and the the big movie companies is that I won't lie and I won't fake anything and they have a problem with that. And and I, I even reserve like if I'm gonna get PhDs in my cooperation involved, I reserve the right to uh, you know, look at the editing process, and they refuse that, and I can't be a part of that. You can't, in the editing process, you can turn somebody's whole perspective around. You could make their words sound like they're saying the opposite of what they're trying to say, and I, I can't allow that to transpire. So the fact that uh, I insist on being honest and I insist, insist on keeping that creative control uh, makes it very difficult for me. If I was just going to say, you know, whatever, do whatever you want, I don't give a crap, just give me some money, uh, I could move forward like hella fast. I'd have a television show tomorrow. I've been working with networks for over a decade now. They've been dancing around with me. The only people that had the balls to come out and do stuff with me was Survivor Man, And he did a perfectly honest show, immaculately done. I have so much respect for that man, a real hardcore backcountry survival expert. Les Stroud is, because I know, because I've been there, I've slept in the wilderness out backcountry with that man. He's as tough as they get. And, uh, you know, he's the only one that was honest and good and truthful about it and you think National Geographic would show up, but they just have ridiculous parameters, and they're so idiotic in what they try to do. You can't, I can't take a film crew of twenty people out and show them a Sasquatch. I mean, ridiculous. I couldn't show you a moose, you know. So they just have these these grandiose dreams that are so full of crap, and I can't be a part of that. But you know, things are changing. We'll see what happens. Uh, they're starting to come around, and eventually we'll break the paradigm. And uh, you know, and maybe something, something can happen next week. Some person can go film and get incredible footage of a Sasquatch and get some incredible tracks and DNA and turn this around. Like, look what the Patterson footage did, which is real, by the way. Not, not just based on the footage itself, but based on the tracks. I'm a tracker. I'm a tracking expert. And I saw those tracks that were cast when that Patterson footage was filmed. That's a real Sasquatch. I, I, there's no doubt about it. They, you know, there's, there's the anatomy in the foot. It's happening, a mid-tarsal joint in that foot that was unknown to science until the 70s, and those two cowboys from 1967 sure didn't know about it in a Sasquatch, and it's in those tracks. They're organic, they're real. I've seen a Sasquatch that looks like that Patterson female. That's a legitimate, absolutely real piece of footage just floating around out there, no big deal. Two people really filmed a Sasquatch, and, uh, you know, the paradigm blows my mind, but, you know, you know, is global warming a hoax? <laughs> you know, so uh, it's it, it, society is complicated. Things are tough now. You can't you can't know what's what's real and what's fake. But I've been this is over a decade now. I've been saying the same things and I've been talking the same truths. And I think the paradigm is getting broken, and uh, all these ridiculous little arguments against me are just fading away. They're just stupid, you know.
0: Do you and, um, uh, Have you seen anything recently, um, other than your footage, that impresses you? Because, um, you know, there's been a lot of stuff that shows up, uh, <laughs> you know, in social media and YouTube or whatever it happens to be, and often it's proven to be a hoax or fake sure, or whatever. Sure. Has anything popped up that's impressed you?
1: Uh, every week. But you know what? The, the stuff that pops up that impresses me is private citizens that are showing me what they're capable of, showing me their footage. I had one woman just last week, she I'm going to... I'm going to do a podcast with her, a little video on her in a couple of weeks. She, she's filming and, and having all the success with Sasquatch. And I go, well, can you go get, show me some footage? She goes, well, I'll get some tonight. She comes back and shows me a Sasquatch video. And I'm like, this is where? She goes, I live 80 miles from where the president sleeps. And there's some Sasquatch footage. And I'm just looking at this stunned. Everything she's telling me sounds absolutely legit. But she doesn't want any notoriety. She doesn't want to be mocked and chastised. She sees what I go through. She goes, you think I want that for my family? No thank you, sir, but I'll show you a Sasquatch, Todd, and I'll, I'll have you come out here and I'll work with you because I know you're real and I know you're legit, and I hear this every week. Claudia Ackley filmed a Sasquatch in California in San Bernardino right in the middle of suburbia. It's real. Her footage is blurry. And it's, when you talk about a cell phone camera, those things are crap. You, her Sasquatch was 40 yards away from her just in a shadow, and the footage is horrible. Cell phone cameras are garbage. They don't have any Zoom. You've got to have a Zoom on them, you know. And uh, she filmed this out. It's, it's just every week it's something new. It's something new. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the stuff you hear about are usually big, big-time hoaxers that create this, you know, this whole saga and try to make some money or become, I don't know what the hell they're trying to do. But uh, it's the small-time people that impress me that <clears throat> they don't care about money. They don't care about money. They don't want to get known. I just want to help this research move forward, and uh, being on Facebook and actually answering my e—I get I've, tens of thousands of emails over the years. It's impossible for me to go through them all, but I'm I'm doing the best I can right now. And you can email me on Facebook now. You can send me a message on Facebook, and I'm doing the best I can to answer all those. Because what I'm learning is—can uh, you believe that a woman's? Oh, I'll get some footage for you. And I'll show you tomorrow. And the next day. I, there's a Sasquatch like you know 80 yards away in a cell phone camera, but it's moving like a Sasquatch. Everything she's telling me is absolutely behaviors I look for, and it's so authentic, and, and she doesn't want to show anybody. I'll just show you. Even her husband, he knows they're there. He's scared of him, You know, so this this incredible woman's having all this success and 80 miles from, you know, where the president sleeps, and I'm just going, and I tell my colleagues, I go, I just met a woman who blew my mind, and it's, it's like that every week. Another guy on Vancouver Island showing me stuff, and I'm looking at this footage going, why don't you release that? He goes, I don't want to release that. Why? So I could get mocked like you? So people can lie the way they lie about you? Like this, this man's known me and followed me for over a decade. He goes, the way they treat you, I'd punch somebody in the mouth. They called me a liar. You know, people, people look me in the face and say, you're a liar. You're deceitful. You're a hoaxer. I'm not. I'm a very honest person. Right in front of my son, they'll do that. Who wants to put up with that crap? And why would you, why would you do that? Why would you put yourself through that? I agree with them. Don't show the world. Keep it to yourself. Show your family. Why go through that ridicule? Nobody's going to believe you. The footage isn't better than mine. I have eight videos. I take people out and show them Sasquatch. I have a documentary on Netflix showing PhDs the Sasquatch. And people don't believe me. So why would they go public? They're smarter than I am. (laughs) So I, I see it all the time, and it blows my mind. I see fakes every week, but I see one reel for every one fake that I get.
0: Really? So it's one to one?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's about that. But you know what? You talk to the fakes. They just don't impress. There's no passion, there's no they're, they're clearly out to try to make money or become famous. I don't even know what the hell they're You don't make money doing this. Are you kidding me? I've spent hundreds of I've I I had a, I used to have a house. I used to have stuff. I sold everything to do this. I'm a renter now. I don't own anything. I've put everything I had out for this discovery. If you're thinking about money in the light of a The the discovery of the millennium, and you're worried about what money you're going to make? Don't do this, you know? I just want to see real primatologists study this. I want real money, real funding put into this incredible discovery. I just want to see it. I want my my children to grow up and read about this in books. I I think we have so much to learn from this species. I don't think it's about protecting them. I think it's about what they could teach us, because in wilderness is the preservation of the world, and they are the wilderness masters. That's what Sasquatch means. It means wild master of the wilderness, not wild man. <clears throat> so I'm inspired by this species. And uh, I think they're brilliant and amazing and can teach us so much.
0: So you, take, uh, you, you keep talking about taking people out. Um, I know you do, you do that as a bit of a service. How does that work if somebody wanted to accompany you on one of these expeditions?
1: Um, well, they, the expeditioners pay for the expedition, <clears throat> so I charge, like, a, an elk guide charges to take people out to go see elk or bear guides. Do I take people out? And I show them as best I can Sasquatch, you know, as long as the weather holds out, they don't come out in the rain or the snow. And, uh, you know, there's lots of things that have to fall into place, but, <clears throat> uh, yeah, people can go to my website. It's on sylvanic.com on the expeditions page, and they can apply, uh, you know, and they, it has to be real. They have to be serious about it and... uh most people i i deny it's it's a process we go through and if i can find people to come out on an expedition that are like minded and <clears throat> i'll take them out and show them a sasquatch but you should also understand all the media are welcome to come out i'll pay for that expedition fish and wildlife i'll pay for that expedition you know so uh and most of the expeditions i take out you know what i found i've taken out about uh in the past 2 years i've taken just over 20 people now most of them don't even want to carry a camera. They saw it there for themselves. They want to see it for themselves. They want to experience it for themselves. I love that. And that's those are the expeditions that go best. They're people who just just out there for the truth. They want to find fresh tracks. They want to have an interaction. They want to see it with their own eyes. They want to film it. They want to worry about a camera and getting their focus. They want to see it with their naked eye. They want to have a real organic experience. It's taught me so much. It's revitalized my love and passion of the wilderness. I'm teaching tracking skills and survival skills, and I'm teaching about my love and understanding of all the... I'm not, a, I'm not a Sasquatch expert. I'm a wilderness expert. There is no Sasquatch expert. I don't know where they live or how they move or how many in the troops. There's so much that needs to be discovered, but I know about wolves. I can tell you about bears all day long. I know all about mountain lions and deer and elk. That's where... And, and tracking and survival and eating. And that's why I have such good success with the Sasquatch because I i love the wilderness and I'm passionate about it and they recognize that... that Similarity in our care, that you know that uh, kindred spirit, that kindred love. you don't love the wilderness and nature, you, you you don't have any business doing anything with the Sasquatch. They love the wilderness. They're passionate. They can't stand. They think technology's made us insane. And they're probably partially right. <laughs>
0: probably walking around all day yeah. looking at
1: little screens and tapping screens and communicating that way. They don't do that. They touch nature. They love the. We walk on open trails. They fear those things. They. They, they cover themselves in the wilderness and the trees, and they eat raw flesh off of, you know it's the way they live is so so attached to nature they 're so connected to it, and they will never want to change They love nature, so uh, it helps me understand who they are and that's that's what that's what I teach people on expeditions and when you, when
0: you take the expeditions how <clears throat> what's your success rate for actually uh, having visual contact um, you know uh,
1: visual it, visual is only. In about thirty percent, live interactions. Again, as long as the weather holds out. If the weather is good, I get about <coughs> excuse me about a ninety percent success rate, where we'll actually a Sasquatch like on Survivor Man. A Sasquatch will come around, smash some smash some trees. will you might see a figure in the distance, and we'll go see tracks. Apples get taken. They'll make sounds around us. Like I can get people within maybe 50 yards of a sasquatch and confirm that live interaction whereas the sightings you know I'm I'm around 30% success uh so you know and and, and at this point like about 10% of people will go home and uh not have live interacted or or uh, seen anything significant so i have to just i had a couple i had one bad expedition this year it just didn't go well and I think that uh, there were some bad things going on in the area with hunters and stuff, and it just. uh, That's the reality of of doing it for real, is so many things can happen. I I think hunters were in the area shooting up uh, a herd of elk, and I think that just upset the Sasquatch. They didn't come around for that time, and so I had a bad expedition, right? So uh, it brings my numbers down, but I'm still up in the 90 percentiles, and people that come out with me learn about wilderness. They learn now. Everybody goes home knowing damn, that was hard. Like, I'm exhausted. This was brutal. We suffered. It was terrifying. The bears are scary. The mountain lions are scary. The wilderness terrain, and the darkness at night is terrifying. And they'll see tracks and structures and breaks. And I don't know how you could go home and you can't fake a tree break. I'll show you tree breaks. And I don't know how. I've had construction workers, like construction engineers, come out and go, there's no way you can do that break. There's no power that... You'd have to use, like, hydraulics and machinery to bust it like that, and you still couldn't do it. You have to specially design a machine to make a, a, a Sasquatch tree break from a, a three-inch thick tree the way they do it. You know, it's, it's, that's got to impress you. The structures are like heavy trees broken in ways that you need immense power. You know, when, when you see tracks in the ground, they're obviously from a giant, heavy primate. Not just heavy, but the power in their legs to drive that foot to the ground and then push off. The compression that it makes—I've seen people come along and just want to go home after that. Like it's scary—the the power and the immensity that that even you see in the tracks—it's uh, it's very very impressive stuff. So, and most of the people I take out are—they just—they've—they've they've been so good. They've enriched my life. Most of them are my friends now. Uh, I have—you want to hear something crazy? I have a ninety-nine percent success rate that want to come back. Everybody's coming back. Like you know. There's one person that's not coming back of the, of the twenty some people I've taken out, you know. So uh, that's <clears throat> that says a lot. Even people that went out on a crappy expedition where it snowed and rained, we didn't see anything. They're coming back. They're going to my Vancouver Island expeditions. They they learn so much about mountain lions and snow and deer and just uh, energy. There's there's so much going on out there that even science, that's why science has trouble with it because there's a. There's a spirituality, there's a, there's a psychology to this that's... You can't do it without those things. You've got to have love, you've got to have respect, you've got you to gotta have instincts. You've got to feel your way through things. If you're just going to rely on a book and your theories, you're done. You don't have a prayer because there's so much out there you don't understand. You can't read a book on bears and think you can go out and be a bear expert. Right. There are things about bears, man. I've been doing this my whole life, I can tell you that bear is immediately dangerous and we've got to get the hell out of here now just based on his body language and how he's foraging. You know, and you don't get that from books. I can feel it in the air, my hair stands up in the back of my neck and I know I'm being hunted by a mountain lion. And uh, I've, I've proven that on expeditions, you know? like We're in danger right now, what's going on? Something's hunting us and we gotta move and stand our ground and circle over this way and boom, there's a mountain lion. And I'm like, how the hell do you know that? I go, Do you see the hair stand on the back of my neck? And you know, pe- most people can understand that and have experienced that in some way in their life. You ever been sitting in a spot and suddenly you look left, and the man was staring at you? Well, yeah. How did you know that? Right. That's called instinct. And yeah. we have it. And the more you work on it, the better you get at it. And that's, what, uh, that's why I have great success in the wilderness, because my instincts are sharp.
0: Todd, we, yes. we're out of time here. Um, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, again, give the website, because I gave it wrong so many times, and your Facebook page and whatever else you want folks to look for.
1: Todd Standing, I have 5,000 friends, but you can send me a message on Facebook and sylvanic.com is my website. You can contact me through that. And I have tons of YouTube videos and, and discovering Big and I, I'm very proud of that documentary. It stars two PhDs, Jeff Meldrum and the late, uh, great John Butternagel. And, uh, yeah, it's on Netflix, and, yeah.
0: All right, Todd, uh, thanks so much for being with us. We'll have you back on the show again sometime. All right, thanks for having me.